We've been instilled with tactics and training for battling enemies overseas, but we are not taught how to battle the ones within. When the combat zone becomes your comfort zone, what becomes of the home front? I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Together, we're tackling tough topics to conquer whatever challenge you're facing. From your soft unit to your family unit, with our amazing lineup of guests, including special operators, field experts, and so much more. This isn't your typical cool guy podcast. Welcome to All Secure. Chris Van Sant spent over 20 years in the Army as an infantryman, ranger, Green Beret, and operator in the unit. He completed 11 combat deployments to Afghanistan, Iraq, and the Horn of Africa. Currently, Chris and his wife, Robin, are on a mission together to climb the seven highest summits in the world, starting with Kilimanjaro. I believe Robin is tackling five of those. Tune in to hear Chris's why and how he continually finds himself in the wild. Chris is a former teammate, a current board member for All Secure Foundation, as well as a good friend. Yeah, I love this one. Let's dive right in. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm happy to be here with you today, Chris and Jen. I'm uh, happy to be here. Just for everybody listening, let's let's talk about what we're not going to talk about. If you know Chris Van Sant, and you should, then you know what he's already done. We're not going to talk about that. Yes, it was actually Saddam Hussein in that hole and not a double. Uh, <laughs> all that shit. Uh, we're not going to dig into war stories. We're not going to dig into all the violence that we've done because that's out there already and people know. So let's talk about. Yeah. Google Chris Van Sant. Yeah, There'll yeah. be a lot of podcasts and a lot of cool. I already stories. covered a lot of cool stuff on the intro yeah. anyway. So everybody knows how cool you are. But let's let's go deeper. Let's about talk how something. Cool you really are. Let's talk cold. Cold. Like top of the mountain cold. Oh, yeah. Cold. Let's stop back to your wife, when you met her, and when she started climbing and why. We're talking about climbing mountains. Yeah, climbing, hiking, backpacking, yep. So I, as a lot of people know, at the tail end of my career, I transitioned into doing combat development equipment acquisition for Special Forces Command. And that took me all over the defense industry and introduced me to a lot of companies. And I was fortunate to meet my wife during that process. She was working for a company that made communication headsets at the time. And yeah, and I jokingly say now, but it's the God's honest truth. You know, when I met her, I was at that low point in my life that we all know so well. I was post unit time. I was post deployment and I really didn't know what I was going to do with myself. And I met this amazing woman that Love me for who I was right then, which honestly wasn't a very solid person. That's scary. <laughs> Jen loved me too. And I was like, I was fat and nasty, man. I was gross. <laughs> well, yeah. but yeah, I loved spending time in the outdoors. It was something that I always enjoyed, something that I was fortunate to do quite a bit of when I was in the service. And I wanted to introduce her to that. So she hadn't done much of anything. She'd done a little bit of hiking here and there, but I was pretty uh, smart about how I approached it. So we started small, just spending some time in the outdoors together and doing some hiking and things. And then it slowly built leading up to retirement. She actually asked me, she said, is there anything that you want to do kind of in between retiring from the army and, and starting career number two? And I said, yeah. And at the time, I, I had always wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail. I don't know why. I think because it was the popular thing and the one most well-known, it was just like a thing that I wanted to go do. So we started talks about that. And then I realized not starting career number two for like four months or whatever was a little bit unreasonable at the time. So uh, after a lot of deliberation, we decided on the John Muir Trail. And so I retired in 2015. 
career number two was in Arizona. So we were relocating and we went out to Arizona and basically dropped off our stuff and then headed to California and started hiking the John Muir Trail. For people that don't know, it's probably the the most scenic section of the Pacific Crest Trail, which is basically the entire length of the Western United States uh, from Canada or from Mexico to Canada. Uh, but John Muir is kind of the middle section of that in California that runs from, most people do it north to south. So you start in Yosemite National Park and you hike all the way into the summit of Mount Whitney in kind of Southern California, Whitney being wow. the highest point in the lower 48. And so that three weeks for me was eye-opening. It did a bunch of things for me personally. It cured about a five-year stretch of insomnia that I had. It's pretty simple science how it happened. You physically exhaust yourself all day. The sun goes down and there's nothing to do. So you crawl into your tent and go to sleep. And then the sun comes up, whether you want it to or not. And you wake up when the sun comes up and you start walking again. And so three weeks of, of being in the wilderness cured my insomnia. The second thing was it was three weeks of uninterrupted time with my significant other. What that did for me, for us, was it allowed me to really process and think about a lot of my service, a lot of the things, both good and bad that had happened, a lot of the loss that had occurred. And I had nothing else to do but talk to my wife. And so it was a comfortable space with which to share that with no, no cell phone, no alcohol, no drugs, no outside world influence. You got nothing to do but put one foot in front of the other and talk to each other all day. And that's exactly what we did. And then for Robin, I think there was the connection aspect, which we already had. But spending that time together and both of us communicating like that, there was the physical challenge of it. It was painful at times and difficult. And I think I was very encouraging, you know, having been through all the things that that Tom and I have both been through in the military. You know, we know that the human beings are capable of a lot more than they realize. And so I was kind of encouraging her along as we went and she crushed it. And I think for her, it was that discovery of, of, wow, I can do a lot more things than I thought I could. And she was happy to have a person next to her that was encouraging and supporting of that and made her feel safe during those adventures. So John Muir was really our first experience and it was huge. It was huge for me. It was huge for us as a couple. I think the joke was before I did it, a lot of close friends said, you're going to do what? How long have you guys been together? <laughs> How long had you been together at this point? Uh, we, we, we'd been together for about a couple of years, but it okay. was a long distance relationship. She was in DC and I was in North Carolina. Sure. Um, she did live with me in North Carolina for the last year before I retired, but, but, you know, we were still getting to know each other and that is a, uh, significant undertaking. And, you know, when you're physically exhausted or you're sucking and your feet hurt and your body hurts, it can go poorly and you can lash out at people around you. But we so much we, everything. I mean, number one, you went north to south, so it's downhill. It was easier, right? The whole way downhill. Yeah. <laughs> little bits of up, a few little bits of up. You okay. got rid of everything that connects you, everything that clouds us, everything that takes away whatever that alcohol, drugs, whatever people do, the cell phones, the and it just put you together. And that can be a terrifying thing for a lot of people, especially getting to know you. But you two connected during a struggle, basically, right? Hard times. You start to bond and then you're stuck together. You can't run away like, I oh, will catch the car at the next intersection. And <laughs> I mean, three weeks of let's do this. And if you change your mind, well, it's going to be a lot hard to do that. 
sticking something out with a commitment and learning and diving deep without distractions, man. God, that sounds beautiful, actually. Plus, nature is an amazing healer. Horrifying. You know? Horrifying to start for some, for everybody, really. For me, it's like, ugh. I've always wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail. I think Kurt Utz is in the middle of doing that right now, but I've always wanted to do it. I'm sure a lot of people want to do things, but to get up and actually start putting up. You're kind of doing Yeah, There is like, man, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. This says a lot to get up and go do it. It's like that, you know, hey, I, I was going to try out for the unit, you know, I was <laughs> going to climb that. Uh, yeah. I was going to climb that. Change my mind. Change my mind. <laughs> okay. I was busy. I, was I didn't. Busy. Yeah. Other yeah. things to do. It really was. It was a huge milestone. For me, it was like, um, it was like walking through a door into my next life. I think it allowed me to process and leave behind what I did before and kind of realize this is who you are now and let's focus on the future. And so uh, whether, I don't know, metaphorically or whatever, it was it was sort of like a bridge to my next reality. Were they summer days or were the hours, you know, light till 9 p.m. at night? And then oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we had a good plan. I've said this on other podcasts before, but I think the backcountry stuff for me, it fills a void. It's very akin to planning a military operation. You have to literally focus on, you know, route planning. Where are you going to sleep for the night? How are you going to resupply? What happens if the weather goes bad? It's all of these things that we did for, for 20 years. And then the sense of, you know, physical exertion and then accomplishment at the end of a day. If you get to where you set out to get to that day, you feel good about it and accomplished and you're ready to take on the next day. But yeah, it was a very unique experience that I think really lit a fire under both of us and really gave us a good understanding of how nature really does heal. Probably one of the best medicines for your soul. And so that kind of started for both of us what will inevitably be a lifelong pursuit of of doing things in the in the outdoors. I ask a question. So you guys were for three weeks, you're unpacking your service and a lot of um the good, the bad, the ugly. How did you feel about letting that out with Robin? Or was nature kind of making it easier for you to do that? I, I think it made it easier, Jen. I think the pure isolation. I mean, we would see people occasionally, but you're alone. I mean, we didn't cross a road for three weeks. Wow. Um, and the scenery is amazing. Like, I unpacked a lot. I mean, I cried on that hike. I laughed on that hike. Like, I really... For whatever reason, it just allowed me comfortably to sort of let those things out. And it made us incredibly close. I feel like I I don't know that I would recommend it for everyone. I think you need to know your relationship. <laughs> but for us personally, I think it was a key to to being grounded and being connected and being able to communicate. Did you I, say you did this before you had a job or Right. In between, in between, in between. Yeah, I had. Yeah, you're not on the trail thinking when I finish this, I've got like no, no. <laughs> man. You know, I mean that that's something you'd have to fight through too. Because I was literally sitting here thinking, God, I want to do that, and then I thought, God, when I get back, what do I got to do? You know, and my mind's yeah. going, who's going to run the shop when I'm gone? I already already have excuses in my head. You're already going from, down the yeah, road. I'm going down that rabbit hole. I want to do that, but well, I can't because you know. But that's a good point. Like it was so enlightening for me. That when I did show up to career number two, I had a conversation with the guy that I worked for. And I said, look, and I was very candid. I said, this did so much for me that I've realized I need to make this a regular part of my life. It doesn't have to be three weeks or three months or whatever. 
but I need to get in the outdoors and disconnect from time to time to sort of recharge my batteries. And I was lucky. I was fortunate. You know, I guess being open and honest about it was probably the best thing I could have done, but he appreciated that. And and he allowed me to do that um, sort of year after year. So it was a, it was a really good thing. That's smart that you yeah. went in. Not only, I think people will go in with their needs to their next career, whatever it may be. And you're thinking, okay, financially and benefits, but people don't go in with, I need this for my mental health. I need this for my well-being. I need this for my family. And so I think that's really smart advice to folks that are transitioning out to know those points as well and to be able to communicate them honestly and openly. Like you said, it provided you an opportunity to continue to do that versus like, hmm, got to ask the boss. Being candid and understanding who you are and what you need mentally and physically to be healthy, it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you don't resolve those issues within yourself, you're not going to be a happy and healthy person. And and I still struggle with that stuff today. Like I still struggle with balance and, and finding that. And I have ups and downs just like everybody. But at least I found some things that that do help um, and do help me process and do help my teammate, my wife, my significant other, and I get closer back together and communicate effectively. You know, I have a question. This is asked often. A lot of guys and gals will come forward and say, hey, I want to talk to my significant other about my time in service. I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to start. And as you were telling the story, it was just feeling like, oh my gosh, here you are on a trail. It's quiet. It's private. You're safe and secure enough that if you want to laugh or cry or yell, you can do that. So that experience is like really inspiring, I think, to others to say, hey, I can do whatever that passion or hobby might be for that individual of going out as a couple into a space to have that conversation. Do you have any other advice for folks who want to share their service and don't know how or where to start? I think we being service members would think that they have no clue. I think you tell yourselves that. And honestly, I think it's a bit of an excuse to not share your story. I think people are more understanding and can grasp a lot more of that than than you realize when you're the service member. And I think once you start opening up and helping them understand, then I think they become part of your healthy process. So my advice would be start small. When we were on JMT, you know, I unpacked some things that were a big part of my life but maybe some time had passed. Like Tom knows this, but you know, I unpacked like losing Mike McNulty and Bob Horgan. And there were a lot of things that surrounded that at the time, but I wasn't there. And I've, I've told this on other podcasts, but it took me years to figure out what like survivor's remorse was. Like I was angry that I wasn't there. I was angry that I lost a good friend of mine. I was angry at how it happened, even though I didn't even have all the details because I wasn't that like there was all these things that I got to unpack with her. And there had been some time passed. So I was better with it than I would have been immediately after. But but that set us up for success in the future. When Brandon Jackson died in the in the base jumping accident, I had only been in Arizona for like less than a year. Um, he was a guy that that took me in in a time of personal need when I got divorced, you know, Brandon took me in and we were good buddies and, and he died in an accident when he was supposed to come out and interview for a position with the company that I worked for a week later. And that crushed me. And I don't know that I would have done as well had I not been through the experience with my spouse of unpacking some of those things. So when Brandon happened, she kind of understood what it felt like and how important he was to me. And it, it it gave her 
an understanding and and a developed skill set to sort of be there for me in a better capacity than she would have been if I hadn't shared that stuff. So it's just like training for anything, right? Like if you don't work at it and start with the basics of just flat out communication, you're never going to be good at it when you really need it. God, it's just so Dang, that's a soundbite right there. We say that all the time. Yes. And people are like, how do you so, do it? How do you do it? What do I do? You don't need to know what you're doing. Just start. Just start. You don't yeah. have to be an expert, right? Like somebody calls me and they're, they're having a rough time or they want to commit suicide. I don't know what to do. I'm terrified. Yeah, so am I. So is everyone else. All you do is be there for them. Talk about yourself, you know? Don't tell them uh, what you do wrong or, man, you really screwed up. It's like, yeah, you know, I screwed up before too and I'm still here and it's okay and you get over things. Um, But it's a terrifying thing when people bring stuff up that you're not ready for like that. So it's good to have the tools to communicate it through. Yeah, and that your battle buddies at home. Yeah. Right there with you all the time, you know, and able to comfort, to grieve with you and understand that. And I think it's so powerful to have a relationship like that, have that forever battle buddy. And I know you and Robin are like that. We've been lucky enough to get to know you as a couple as well. Um, And you're a really special couple. And We'll have to have Robin on here sometime too. Good luck. I know. I was going to say, <laughs> I know she doesn't want to, but if not only for the story that she told me about her hanging off some ice cliff somewhere and then you having to hold her by the back or something, it was, I'm sweating now. I am terrified of heights, but it I, was told, uh, I think we told you guys the story. She does this thing when we're, particularly when we're on big mountain stuff. She has a has an incredible fear of heights, which I really respect. Tom, if you remember, Chili Palmer is scared of heights. And I've had some funny times with Chili climbing where that comes into play. So I've been around it before. So when it happens to Robin, but she does this thing where she goes, I just need a minute. And that means that means I'm not moving and I'm going to cry for like two and a half minutes and then I'm going to stop crying and I'm going to suck it up and move on. And it's it's a really fun thing to see. And because I know her and I know that that occurs, I just leave her alone when it happens. She says that. I say, okay, if you need anything, I'm right here. And then when she's ready to go again, we we pick up and we I move on. I'm just so. going to pendulum on over here. While you're Did over you have there. to learn that the hard way? Or was that a communication you guys had? Like, uh, Yeah, no, we learned it. <laughs> <laughs> Stop crying and keep climbing. You can't do anything about it. Just shut up. It's You're okay. You're like, oh, no, no, There's no. A, there was an yes. episode on the John Muir Trail. You know, you're walking 10 plus miles a day. We tried to average 10 miles a day. And I know from life experience that, you know, the point where you feel exhausted, you got a lot left in the tank, right? And if you're eating properly and you're staying hydrated, you can go way further than you realize. And so one day we had finished this brutal climb called the Golden Staircase. Um, <laughs> and that sounds friendly. It was oh, a nightmare. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> but we got to the top of this thing and there was this little pond and we were probably about a mile and a half, maybe two miles short of where we were wanting to camp for the night. And then we had an even bigger push over this pass the next day. So I ne- we needed to cover that ground or the next day was going to be even worse. And so we get up to the top of the first little pond and she's done like emotionally, physically, like she's done. And I took a chance and I said, <laughs> I, can't. I said, I said, you're not tired. You've had enough to eat. You've had plenty to drink and you've got a lot more in the tank. You just need to suck it up and keep going. 
Get, get to stepping. Did her eyes get really narrow? <laughs> she and I haven't done that too many times, but I did it on John Muir and she cried for longer than normal, but then she kept going and we both laugh about it now. She's like, you know, I don't know how you knew it was the right time to kick me versus comfort me, but we were almost to the end. We were three weeks in and I had watched her just crush day after day. And, and uh, you know, she didn't even understand. I, I, like I've said to her a thousand times, I'm like, you know, you do stuff that you, what you're doing right now is stuff that I know guys that spent a career in special forces that couldn't do this. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I know you don't have a frame of reference for, what that speaks about your drive and your character, but trust me, like you got this, but yeah. So there's been a few times where we've, we've gone there and then vice versa, right? Like I'm, I'm beat up and had some injuries over the years. And, and some days I just don't have it. We did uh Cotopaxi, a volcano in Ecuador uh, wow. a couple years ago before COVID. And um, I was done. Like I had nothing left in the tank and we were about 500 meters short of the summit and the climbing guide that we were with, a great dude, Teresa Sylvester, he, he did like, I don't know, he did like Everest and every other giant mountain in the world last year. But Tere was literally trying to get me to turn around. He was like, Chris, it's cool, man. It's whiteout conditions. You're not going to be able to see anything if you're ready to turn around. And I just couldn't. I mean, it was the army in me. I couldn't let it go. The top, <laughs> and at the top. The and, top. I said, but there. Yeah. And, and Robin, she, you know, she she pulled me to the top. Like she was the one kicking me and going, every time you stop, you tug the rope on the other two of us. Can you please keep walking? <laughs> no shit. You're, You're sucking no shit. it up for the You're rest of us. You're going to suck it up because this sucks. We're gonna yeah. Yeah. So what it turns into eventually is, is a give and take, right? You're, you were your teammates and, and we all have bad days. So you try to be the positive supportive one when your partner's having a bad day, or your teammates having a bad day and vice versa. So. I'm guessing you learned a lot about communication, like on those trips, when to motivate, like you said, when to, when to comfort and when to stick it in there and go, all right, we got to go. We have to go. I mean, because I would be yelling at her, obviously. It would not be pleasant. Like, We're not climbing mountains together. Are you kidding me already? You're tired? I mean, I'm probably yeah, tired. We're not I'm bitch about it anyway. Or the top's right there. It's just another two miles, you know, or something. I would blow that for a while, you know? Um, yeah, it's. I yeah, find it's probably it's, push him off a mountain. I f I find it's easier in in things that are physical. Um, I find communication is easier in those situations because there's actually less stuff that are a part of that equation. You know, day to day, like we we have our ups and downs with communication, and it's it's oh well, it's why I tell people it's one of the reasons that that I'm appreciative to be a part of All Secure, but it's also one of the reasons why. You know, Robin and I still talk with a therapist a couple times a month on a regular schedule because we enjoy it, because it's practice, because it the times when it is hard, which is at home, everyday life, it allows us to communicate in a healthy fashion and work on that skill set so that when it is challenging, we have some tools to deal with it. So wait a minute. And I hope you wrote that down. I did. I marked it. What you're saying is. Oh, you mean our listeners. If you don't know how to do it. <laughs> You learn how to do it. That doesn't mean you're perfect at it. You keep practicing that thing and you get better at it and you never quit practicing that thing. So you'll always get better at it. Absolutely. Communication with your spouse, like shooting a gun, like CQB, like any job you do, 
it's the same thing. And everybody's like, I don't know how my relationship so crappy. You're you're in Jen's is great. And I go, yeah, it was always that way, bro. We're always perfect. No, we always scream rainbows. at each other every five minutes, man. You know, and we scream at each other less and less and less by working on it so hard. You laid it down right there perfectly. Right. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's everything in life. And guys think relationships are guys and gals think relationships are different. It's a different workload. It's a different work ethic. No, it's the same and not work. But hot. we were recently told by a sex expert who's also on the podcast that she's like, hmm, we don't need to call it work. Let's no, call it hobby. Job. I go, your relationship. Like she said, job. you love You're a hobby. She's like, eh. she's like, you love a hobby, right? You enjoy it. Yes. And it takes a lot of work to do a hobby, too. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, mm, let's not call relationships work. Let's call them hobbies. So I like that. Yeah. yeah, I think people are naive. I think, you know, because there's that like honeymoon phase of every relationship and things are easy and they come easy and everyone's excited and la la la. But the reality is, is, is a relationship is just like anything else to be good at it, to be the best at it, to be, to be a couple, frankly, that people envy and look at and go, wow, man, they've really got it right. It just means that they work harder than the rest of you at it, just like <laughs> any other task. <laughs> So if you want to be that, it's cool to be a couple again, right? Yeah. You hang out as a couple. You do things you like together, and then you learn things about each other. So therefore, you communicate yeah. differently. And when you struggle together, you grow together. Sure. You don't struggle together. Like like the guys we worked with, right? You never forget about them. It's, it's, it's your bros forever, you know, and you dump families for your bros for years, you know, and it's because you struggled together, you know, and, and couples that don't struggle together, I don't know how they really grow together well, it you certainly know? facilitates it and then you've coupled it with nature which is incredibly healing and you know i it's a beautiful combination and i it's clean yeah you're, i mean you're drinking and, and water I think not you, you're not on your phone at every now and then but you're physically yeah treating your body well because you have to or it's going to kill you climbing that mountain you're getting the sleep the natural you know rhythm of sleep from the darkness to, to sun up to sundown, which is what the way man was born, right? Before we invented yeah. all these things. And that's, I think, like you got through your sleep issues with that. I love Stress that. issues. I mean, so much. Kurt Utz talks about the same thing yeah. walking the Appalachian Trail now. That Well, and people, people ask me about that quite a bit because uh, so many people we know struggle with sleep issues and they've done the medication thing. And I, I don't believe in any of that crap anymore. The reality is, is yes, spending time in the wilderness. I, I think the the number is about 10 days. And I think they've actually done some research into it now, but the 10-day cycle of resetting your circadian rhythm, the thing that people forget is, one, you can't just live in the wilderness all the time. So you have to go back to regular life. And when you go back to regular life, it's establishing a healthy routine. It's getting up early in the morning, having some sort of physical exercise throughout your day, eating at least, you know, predominantly healthy. I don't think you have to be a nut about it. I'm not personally a nut about it, but but we eat healthy whole foods. A sack of marshmallows up on the hill, right? You're, you're tall with food that gives value to what you need because you're carrying it, right? Yep. But if you want to hold on to that success or that recovery or that rebalancing that you get from from something like time in the outdoors, you have to focus on a healthy routine in your everyday life as well. So like, that's, that's for me, like I freak out because I spent so many years not sleeping. If I have one night where I'm just laying there and the wheels are spinning a thousand miles an hour and I can't quiet it down, like, and Robin knows from years of being around it, like she, she can sense that I'm awake. She can sense that the wheels are turning and the next day she'll go, 
you doing all right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I get scared. And, 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 you know, generally you just, you go back to routine, you focus on it, you go to bed at a decent hour, you get up early um, and it'll, it'll go right back to itself. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of pieces of that pie, but, but it definitely works. Hey everyone, if you like what you're hearing, please like, comment, and share. And if you'd like to support our amazing warriors and their families, please donate at allsecurefoundation.org. Thanks for listening, everyone. You think you get further away from that fear the more you sleep normally and it's less fear. Like, okay, I'm having a bad night, but I trust it'll come back versus it's all back again. You know, I, I go through that every now and then. Like, oh God, the it's anxiety all back. of it. It's all yeah. back. I'm an asshole again. I'm doing all the wrong things again, you know, and it's it doesn't last because I'm I'm focusing on it, you know, and I get to work. But do you think that got further away the longer, you know? Yes and no. I think my understanding of you have tools to deal with this is way better. And so while initially I might not think of that, if it goes on a little bit, I it will trigger and I'll remind myself, nope, nope, you've been here before. You know the things that you need to do to deal with this and 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 get past it and get back to normal. And so that's comforting. So yeah, it gets a little easier. But yeah, I mean, the ups and downs, I think that's, well, it's a lot akin to, I think I always meet people and they go, that's what you did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, but you, and I usually finish their sentence and I go, I don't look like that. And they go, not what I thought. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Well, I'm just a regular person like the rest of you. I think that translates into what we're talking about too, is you're not going to solve it and and be good forever. You're going to have ups and downs. And it's about having those tools in the toolbox of how to deal with it and getting help at, at sh- either sharpening those tools or someone showing you some new ways to do things is, is a good thing and absolutely necessary. And rock bottom isn't necessarily the best place to spring off of to hit to the top again. Right? Uh, most people wait. I did. I'm, I can, uh, I'm good. And then all of a sudden, I'm at rock bottom, jackhammering my way deeper, going, I'll tell you when I'm at rock bottom. You know, idiots that just don't listen, right? And that's, that's who we try to reach, not the idiots, but people that just, I got it. I'm on my yep. own. I'm okay. Why wait, right? You don't wait to practice shooting until you suck at it again, right? And we don't do that with anything else. Nothing. Every time you bring it up, it's like a reiterate it. So yeah, that's what we tell you. You don't need help. You need the You need training. And if you've been training this before, you need some retraining, right? It's not help. You didn't, uh, we didn't help each other learn how to shoot a pistol or a rifle. We taught each other. So it's those tools that you give people the same thing. And then remember you have the tools further away from the freak out sessions, further away from whatever the negativity was in your life, you know, and use the tools and get back to here and know you'll always step back over here. All right. You'll always screw up. You'll always get in a fight. You'll always have a night you can't sleep. And there's always new tools too. Like you had talked about, I think people will call us sometimes like, Hey, this isn't working anymore. And that hopelessness comes in and it's just, hey, you just need to focus over here. Or you need to try something else. And and it sounds like that you're really good at that too, is assessing, is this tool still working for me? If not, it's not the end of the world. I just need to use my skills now to find the next thing that will work. Because something will work. You know, it's different for every person. And people have to be very patient in finding what does work. Like for you and Robin, having that conversation and doing that three-week walk is incredible Tom and I would absolutely kill each other in a process like that. So, but, you know, for us, the important thing is, is to find that space, that peace, that 
area where we both feel comfortable. We both feel relaxed and to have those conversations. So like ours started out, I think it's amazing. Go hit the country road, the one that's straight and goes forever through the yeah mountains, the mountains. And we just start driving at the end of a day, top down, start driving. And we Music just, up. We don't even talk. Yeah. Music up. And then we just turn around at a certain point and drive back. I'm like, all right, that was cool. Now let's go about back and talk a little bit. You know, it's just kind mm-hmm. of slow down. Decompress, decompress unwind, yeah, unplug. Stress or whatever it is and roll right into it. What's the tallest uh, mountain you climbed in the States? In the States, Mount Whitney. We've done Pico de Orizaba in Mexico, which is the tallest volcano in North America. Oh. Uh, we did a, a few peaks in Ecuador, but we did Cotopaxi, which is just under 20,000 feet. And then <laughs> and then coming up, we're doing Kilimanjaro in Tanzania. Kilimanjaro's 19,341 feet tallest freestanding volcano in the world and one of the seven summits which is a goal of of ours of mine over the next few years yeah let's talk about that yes. goal seven yeah <laughs> Again. so it's well it goes back to communication right so i have always wanted to do something physically and mentally challenging post-career where you know i think I don't know. I guess my my life's path, the ups and downs, the setbacks that I have and then overcoming those, I think there's just something that that I draw positive from when it comes to overcoming certain obstacles. So, I thought about it for years. I had two two separate team trips over the years, Tom. You'll appreciate this, but we got so busy at one point Mikey was putting together a trip to go down to Antarctica and do Mount Vinson, which is the highest peak in Antarctica. And I don't remember what happened. We, we did a surge or whatever team trip got canceled. We didn't do it. And then it just never, we just never went back to it. The second one was we looked at going to Argentina and doing Aconcagua, which is the tallest summit in South America. And something got in the way of that and got that canceled. We did some cool climbing trips and stuff, but we never got to do those because we were at war forever, we never got to do those like cool, like team of significant team event things that we had sort of had as goals. So I think that sort of planted the seed. And then I've been thinking about it for a few years. And then it was probably, I don't know, two and a half, three years ago, Robin and I were sitting there and we we've done a bunch of stuff. We've hiked thousands of miles in 14 different countries or whatever. Like we we probably take three trips a year where we either do a, a really long hike or a big climb. And then we do tons of, of four days and five days and weekend trips and things like that, because we both enjoy it. You know, in a conversation, I said, you know, I really want to do the seven summits. And Robin said, I- I've heard that, but what is it? And I said, well, it's the tallest peak on every continent. And I said, in summer substantial, like Mount Everest is the tallest peak in Asia and in the world. And that's a big deal. And I said, but some aren't. If you do the traditional seven summits, the one in Australia is basically a hill. Uh, you know, I like and, that one. We'll do that one. <laughs> uh, and and surprisingly, a lot of them are hiking, hike a bull. They're not super technical where you're, you know, scaling yeah. vertical ice and rock, right? So, so she said right out of the gate, I'm never doing Mount Everest. Like I have no desire to do that. She hates being cold. She says that all the time. We've been in some really cold alpine conditions and she does just fine. But I think when we're at home and we're warm, the reality is, is I don't want to feel like that. So she always says that we had a conversation about doing the seven summits. I said, I am confident you can do five of the seven with me. I really want to do this before I get either 
too old and I'm not capable. But then we had a real candid conversation about some of my fears about aging and and mine stem from, you know, I diagnosed with traumatic brain injury years ago. Medical science now tells us that if if you've had traumatic brain injury, you are like a crazy amount of times more apt to contract tremor-related diseases like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or whatever. Well, my grandfather and my mom's brother, my uncle, both died of Alzheimer's. So I already have it genetically in the family. And now my life events have injured my brain to a point where I am incredibly high risk. And my uncle wasn't that old. And so that was part of the conversation. I said, you know, I don't I don't want to, when I'm on my deathbed, whatever brings that on, I don't want to feel like there were things that I wanted to do that I didn't at least give a shot. And she heard me and fully supported it. And so at that time, we were going to go do Mount Elbrus, which is in Russia, the tallest peak in Europe. And then COVID happened and then the Russians invaded the Ukraine. Um, so it's not really a good time to go to the Soviet Union as an American. So we put that off. A uniform of any kind, for sure. <laughs> yeah. We put that off and then Kilimanjaro jumped on our radar. Uh, I spent some time in, in the Horn of Africa a couple different stints during my military career. I, I, I lived in Kenya on two, two separate stretches and really, really enjoyed it. I've wanted for years to take her back to East Africa and, and show her that part of the world. Um, and so, yeah, we had a conversation recently. We can go down and do Kilimanjaro and then spend some time in some of the national parks there in Tanzania and see some wildlife. And, and so, yeah, it became number one on the list. So it will be the first of hopefully a multi-year seven summit push over the next few years. And she's going to do five of them with you. I'm going to try and get her to do five. The seven are, if you go non-traditional, if you go current seven, it's Denali in North America or Mount McKinley in Alaska, Aconcagua in South America, Elbrus in Russia, Everest in Asia, Vincent in Antarctica, Aconcagua in South America, and uh, I can't pronounce it, but it's like Karsten's Pyramid in Indonesia that covers all seven. So all of those, I think she's 100% capable of doing, but I think she'll do five excluding Everest and Vincent because Antarctica just sounds way too cold for her. So when you see see somebody inside a tent and it's staked to the ground and the tent sideways from the wind and that's how you sleep. Yeah. I got to get out in this in the morning and walk like at two in the morning. I don't blame her, man. I yeah. One peak and I was in blue jeans, man. It was Long's Peak and our team was like, let's do it. I was burn my face. I, we didn't know what we were doing. And Long's is a beast too. It turned me off to climbing like that, right? In I jeans? Burnt my face was melted off from the sun. I was in jeans. We just decided to do it. Like, let's do it. Okay. Because uh, we're a climbing team. It was ridiculous, and it, and it was closed that day. And it, and the, our guide, we kept saying, "We just want to stop for a minute." He's like, "We got to get down this mountain." I'm like, "I just want some water." He's like, "I got a friend buried right down there. Keep walking." I'm like, "Okay, uh, why are we up here anyway?" Because it wasn't my idea. But yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I turns you off quick if you do it the wrong way. You know? Right, right. Well, and I think it's it for us. It's as much about setting a goal and then continuing to do things that are in support of that. So. You know, to do that, and that's why I'm not in a hurry. It might take me 10 years, but we'll do a lot of things throughout the course of the year. And we may do one of those a year or whatever, maybe two. We'll see. But yeah, it's not, 
I'm not trying to set any records or anything. It's more about setting some personal goals for ourselves. You know, I want to do it. And hopefully it's one of those weird things that people pay attention to, right? Kind of like I felt when I was in the unit. I just want to show people that that a retired, broken, regular dude can co- go do that stuff if they put their mind to it and hopefully bring some some awareness for some veteran issues like traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress and, and hopefully bring some support to All Secure so we can continue to help people. We can give Amazing. you our All Secure item to carry with you on each of the hikes. Yeah, it's, we'll give you a flag it's, it's for a bowling, Everest. It's a bowling ball. <laughs> We're gonna, we have an All Secure bowling ball that you can carry to the peak of Everest. <laughs> <laughs> or they can wrap me in it when I freeze to death and die. But <laughs> oh my, is, is Robin afraid of Everest? You doing Everest? No, not not too bad. You know, she said she'll do the the trek to base camp with me, and she'll be there. Uh, you know, if and when we get to that point. But I, I, honestly, Jen, like she's a beast. Like she, because she doesn't have the the frames of reference that I do. Or that Tom might, she just doesn't know what she's capable of. So every time that we do something, it's like how much more enjoyable Christmas gets when you have children. Yes. Like you remember it from when you were a kid. And then there's a whole stretch of years where you're like, whatever. And then you have children and it's magical all over again. Yep. It's the same thing. Like when you get to see your teammate or your spouse or your partner or whatever do something that they didn't think they were capable of doing, it, it makes you feel great. And I think I get as much from that as I do from from the individual stuff. Like, we're very Griswold. Like, when we hike stuff, it's like, all right, there it is. It's beautiful. Okay, let's go. Like, <laughs> you yeah, would think we would hang out, but we don't. It, but that that milestone, that that doing something that you didn't know you were capable of or reminding yourself that you're still capable of doing those things, I think is what we draw the most positivity from. And There's I a love lot that of work involved in that too. Sorry. Yeah. Going to Everest. I mean, what's that? A five-year wait, three-year wait permitting. I mean, God, that's. Uh, it's crazy. I know, yeah. I mean, even, even Killy, because so many of those have become popularized, prices go up and up and up. Yeah. We actually prefer to do things by ourselves. It's why we do long distance hiking because we can get away and we don't need anybody to do it. Now they um, up the top at Everest. I keep I watch those those documentaries. Like you can go up one side or go up the other, but all of all the people go up one side and they clog it up, and people can't get up because of somebody who shouldn't be there. And it's like a single track. You're walking yep. behind the person in front of you, freezing to death. Like was that where a lot of people died just oh, because yeah. they couldn't keep going because somebody just else waiting. Did. Yeah, weather comes in. Was that, was that, oh, it was a documentary. <laughs> Everest. All Everest. Yeah, that's that's why I won't climb Everest. That and I don't want to. <laughs> I would be one of those dead people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And, you know, the goal might change over the years. I don't know. Honestly, like I said, it's just about having something out there. It's we like yes. doing all the other things that support it. So you can't just like go do those things. You have to do a bunch of little mountains in between. You have to prep for it. And it's it's kind of a forcing function that allows us to do one of the things that we enjoy. So, yeah, I think it's as much about setting a goal um, more than it is in achieving it. That's so true for so many things in life. I love that your new passion out of service is including your spouse in it and that you guys are doing this together. Cause it'd be very easy for you to say, Hey, this is my dream. I'm doing all seven. Me and See my ya. boys. Yeah, somebody yeah. that can climb. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that too, of course, but it's really cool that you guys have a common goal that you've set together. All the work and prep work that is required to do together before you can even set out the door. Yeah. And then that experience together, those challenges that you face together, it's just super inspiring. I, it, it really makes me want to find our, our seven peaks without it being seven peaks. Yeah. But 
to have that thing legs. to work towards, no matter how big or small you guys are doing it together. And I think that's really, yeah. I don't know, it's really inspirational. Very cool. Yeah. I, forgive me. I can't access them right now, but there's some quotes about that. Things aren't as significant when you don't get to share them with another human being. And some of my best and worst memories are with teammates, you know, guys that that I've shared time with and we've been through extraordinary events together. Like they just mean so much more because that little small group of people were involved in that. And and it's the same thing like with your spouse, like or your or your children or your siblings or whatever. When you get to do something significant or something that you enjoy and you get to do it with someone else it's just that much better i mean who doesn't want to go remember when and have somebody know what you're talking about <laughs> inside jokes are especially are part your of partner man i mean that's you, you got that the rest of your life to look back on and, and and always talk about and keep you together hey have you tried speaking of tbis have you tried ketamine treatment i have not yet nope i'd like to introduce you to the guy that does that Really, the last couple of years, Tom, I've been sort of all ears and and open mind about everything. And it's not because I struggle, but it's because I'm still aware that I have things. Without getting into detail, you know, it gets belabored on a bunch of different venues. But yeah, I, I know that I still have substantial issues, too is because of the shrapnel that I have in my body and particularly a piece of my left eye, I can't have MRIs. So I'm this weird person that's never been able to have a brain scan. So to be told, yes, you've suffered traumatic brain injury and then not be able to look at actual scientific or medical information is a messed up thing. So I'm open to whatever. No, I saw the differences on my scans but before and after the dual sympathetic reset shot with the, the SGB. That was such a difference. I wouldn't have known looking at it. You know, but the doctor that called me from L.A. or Hollywood or something, he's like, I've I've never seen this much improvement. Right. He works with pro pro athletes and, and TBIs and stuff. And he called and it literally described to me to a T by my pre shot brain. You know, do you say things you wish you wouldn't? Are you angry? You have trouble sleeping, fall asleep, you know, and all this. I'm like, oh, my God, you know me for sure. You know, and then after he's like, this has been fixed. This has been kind of cooled down. This is where it should be. And you can take these medications you order over online it's not it's not medication supplements is this supplements yeah big difference and they're talking about how they can fix it with alzheimer's i mean they're fix it right they're starting to work with alzheimer's and the tbi and the ketamine so that's about as far as i'll go with explaining it because i'll mm-hmm. it up, but i'll get you some information on that man for sure yeah i mean i think it's cool like and you've done some stuff and you've shared that experience. I think that's why I'm so open to it right now, frankly, because so many people that that I know or love and respect have done these things and they've been open about it. Like it worked, it didn't work. You and I both have a mutual friend that did something that we both know it didn't, a, a particular treatment didn't necessarily work for him. Right. And so all of that is information. And I think that's why I'm, I'm like, yep, keep feeding it. I'll take all the info I can get. And if it's not going to hurt me and I can do something that potentially could help, I'm going to do it. That's what we've been doing on our journey is like, okay, well, they say it's great. We research it for a bit and then we both decide to go do it, come back and talk about it and just, you know, alleviate any of the nerves and concerns of people. It's a scary thing, right? Like I wholeheartedly admit, like I'm scared of a lot of things. I'm scared of the psychedelic treatment. Like I, I, you should be, that was a mother, man. 
my my dark places and demons are while they're in my past they are i very much know what they are and how they feel and i am terrified of them and looking at that i'm like i'm gonna wait for a few other people to do it (laughs) we did one we're looking at uh, we did the hardest because you know we do what everybody else does and we tell people not to do your your health is important take the time like, oh, do you want to go down to Peru for a week or 10 days? I'm like, we don't have the time. All right, well, you can go to Texas overnight. We're like, yeah, we'll do that one. Right. Okay, much stronger, but yeah. I, I tell you what, what a change uh, in the world for me. And I, we need to go back. It, but it was a good four or five months of of yeah, complete it, difference for of, sure. of a human being of who I was and how I thought about things. And I still look back to that that moment. Did you, did you both do it? We did. We did together. She too. watched me go first and then I watched her go through after me. I was like, holy shit. This They're scary. like, sometimes we don't recommend this for couples. I'm like, we do this shit all the time. Just <laughs> for We're the couple to, to do it. it. Let's do this. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah. why is that? And they said, well, it's very, very rare, but somebody might kind of come out of it and realize they're in a relationship they shouldn't be. And, oh. so, you know, it's very difficult to process that when the person's across from you and they're like, yeah, that that's happened like 5% of the time. So it's not like a huge thing. And then people are worried about that. And they're telling us and Tom's like, what if you want to leave me after this is done? And, and, you know, so it is, there are a lot of fears. I'm glad you said that when you're approaching something you've never done before, whatever it may be. And then you're doing something, you know, whether it's healing or medical or whatever, of course that's going to cause anxiety. But I think the important thing is you got past that because you armed yourself with knowledge and you did the research and you talked to people you trusted. Well, and there's different phases, right? Like when you're, if, you, if you'd asked me in That's 2010, true. I would have said yes to anything because I was at rock bottom and didn't know how I was going to get through the next 24 hours. You asked me in 20, what year is it? 23 I think about it. I don't know. <laughs> my life is re- my life is really good. Do I ha- do I have low points? Absolutely. Do I still have events where or Robin says to me, "Why did you do that?" and I and my answer is, "I don't know." There's still there's still recovery for lack of a better term that needs to continue and needs to happen, but I'm a lot less apt to go whatever now because because life is really good. So I get the concern that people have. That's why I think it's important to share. I think I think being open, it's the same reason I do podcasts, the same reason we're all candid about our experiences and our highs and our lows is if even one person hears that and 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 it gets them through that next 24 hours then it's worth it. And so that's why like me personally and I know you guys like that's why I continue to do that. Yeah, my days of acting like nothing bothers me and I'm so cool, nothing hurts my feelings. I'm like, "No, no, I cry a lot, man. I'm scared of a lot of shit." And everything else was a, was just a lie and a cover up before to make me look harder, right? I still did the shit and I'm still scared to do it, but I did it and I'm still yeah. scared now, but I still do it. Right? And I know everybody gets scared. Like Robin on an ice shelf. <laughs> on an ice shelf. On anything high and and narrow. Yeah, pretty much. But seriously, that's some serious badass yeah. that you're terrified of you heights, debilitating anyway? heights, and then you're standing on an ice shelf. And like, was the story she had to lean over or something and you had to kind of hold her as she was doing that? I She told me the story at the retreat and I still was like, I think I had nightmares from her story. Yeah, there's been many a times. Been many a times. And what it boils down to, what gets her through it is trust which is a good link to all the stuff that we're talking about. It's her faith in me that I'm going to get her through whatever obstacle that is, or in faith in my 
skill set that if I'm telling her it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Um, and that that's been cultivated over years, right? And and experiences and I probably pushed the envelope a little bit, but but it boils down to trust. And it's the same thing with any of attempting to do any of these treatments or paths to recovery or whatever. It's it's trust in in whoever that person is that's assisting or whoever you're listening to or whoever's talking about it and and enough trust to go, yeah, I I think I can do this. Beautiful. Yeah. That was so on point about trust. Because you guys had trust in each other on teams. I mean, you couldn't do the job you did if you didn't trust who was in front of you, behind you, when you were going into a door. And so it's now that trust that you have to build it in a relationship, sometimes even rebuild it. You know, if you've been with somebody in service for a very long time and and spent many, many years apart, you might have to rebuild your foundation. And there's trust and skill, though, too. There's, you know, you trust people at at work because they have the skills and you know they have the skills, so I trust them to do that. But I may not trust everybody for other certain things, right? So it's a deeper trust developing a skill that she's learned while she hasn't died yet doing all of it. So she's grown in trust that you know what you're doing, you know? Yeah, I I had the same experience with Tom, frankly, with, with firing weapons because I was terrified of guns, like you know, shooting them. I was terrified that I would accidentally shoot someone. Like, that was my thing. I'm not scared of the gun, but I was scared of my complete and utter lack of training. And so it was the same with me when he brought me on the range to start teaching me. I had complete, obviously, and utter faith and trust in Tom and his ability and skills. But I don't know. And he was an excellent instructor. People were like, don't don't try to teach your wife. But he was amazing. And and honestly, when we went into that space as a couple where he was instructor and I was receiving, I think it helped our relationship a lot too of of that space of me being really vulnerable and saying, okay, I, you know, I don't know what to do with my hands here, <laughs> literally. And and yeah. Tom walking me through that instruction. Likewise, we've had the reverse experience. Has Robin walked you through something where you've had to put that kind of trust in her? Well, that's what I was gonna say. It's about it's about balance, right? You know, if I'm fair, probably 90% of the time, she's the strong one. You know, she has to put up with, she's had to learn to get me through some difficult times. Um, And she found me, you know, when we met, I I was not far removed from almost taking my own life and kind of being that, I hate to use the word rock bottom, but being at a very low point in my life. And then building up from there. So she, she, you know, was my strength on one side. Um, and the person that I trusted in both to be able to confide in, but also to, to protect those feelings and those emotions, like it felt safe. So to be able to give that back to her in whatever we're doing or whatever hobbies we have, or to be able to have that where I get to be that one again, I think for me, that was, that was incredibly rebuilding for lack of a better term, um, and reminding me that, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm a pretty solid guy that's got a lot of skills and nothing's changed. I'm the same person that I was when I did all these things that I never thought I'd be able to do. I'm just a little older, a little wiser, and a little more beat up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's balance. And I think that, that segues into, that's why you need to continually evolve as couples and you need to get out of your comfort zone on both sides so that you can be that for each other and you can strengthen that connection and that relationship and being each other's support mechanism, just like you would a teammate in the military. Dang, I love that. Is there an advice that you would have if people are listening, going, how do we get that? 
how do we get what Chris and Robin have? They've, you know, maybe a couple doesn't have really a passion or they don't know how to look for that hobby. Do you have any advice on? My advice is try new things, get outside of your box because it's, it takes what a, a day, an hour, two hours, whatever of your time to try something new. We try new things quite a bit just to get outside of our comfort zone. I, yeah. Weirdly, the bad example that I'm thinking of right now is we went and made pottery. You know, making pottery is kind of cool. I don't want to do it all the time, but we had a good time <laughs> doing it. But get- you know, but like somebody might get really into that. Like yes. it might be their thing or. Whatever it is, but but try. Do things outside of your box. Maybe you each kind of list out a few things that you would like to do or some life goals, and then you figure out how you kind of do a little in each category. And some of them work out, some of them they, they won't. But but yeah, that try. And then two, it's work, right? Like you never... It's like we were just talking about. Like you never stop training yourself. You never stop learning and educating yourself. Yeah, I feel silly sometimes because I have conversations like this and people say, you guys are so great. And I feel like, no, we're not all the time. <laughs> it's normal life. But you know what? Those people want it is more good than though. the bad. And, and yeah. when you have more good than bad, that's great to people. Well, I say that a bit tongue in cheek. Like, we are great. And I know that we're great. And I know that what we have is special. But, but we forget, right? So... Like you, you have to do things, you have to practice and train to remind yourself that, you know, I think one of the best epiphanies I had recently was with a therapist that we talk with frequently. And it was about like positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. about a lot of counseling, a lot of therapy, a lot of psychotherapy, frankly, tends to focus on the negative. This is the problem and th- we need to fix this versus, and and in more particular in, in couples stuff, it's, wow, that's really great that you guys do that. That's really powerful. Like when, when someone reminds you that, yeah, you do some things really, really well, it allows you to focus on that as a couple and build on those strengths and make sure that you work yourself into scenarios that capitalize on those strengths. And I think being positive about it is as important as anything. Yes. Um, I just read a quote. I love that. And it's, I'm so glad you said that because it reminded me, Gary V had just talked about, I saw in one of the little Instagram clips, he said, we need to stop as a society focusing on everything that's wrong with us. Yeah. And, and, you know, trying to bust our ass. This is parts not great about me in this part and really start to focus on what's going right start focusing on the strengths, start spending all your time on your good stuff, start spending your time on, on you know, the things that you do really, really well. It's not to say that you don't work on work on things that can be improved, but that doesn't need to be the bulk of your time. You should be spending the bulk of your time on what you do right. And I thought... It's like positive thinking. It's, yes. It's, I told people recently, well, not recently, I don't even know when it was. It was like, hey, think of a moment in the past five years. Think of something that's happened, a grand moment. And I, I let people think, and then and somebody reminded me of this the other day. He's like, and I and I said, I bet most of you thought of a negative moment, like something horrible that had happened. Think of a, a moment in your life, and most people go to something horrible instead of something good. So you train your brain to think the positive, right? To seek out the positive, to remain curious and less not judgmental, right? I'm curious about pottery or clay, you know, making pottery or painting or whatever it is, instead of judging it right on, I'm not making pottery, you know, but you get into it, you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. I work with my hands. I don't, it's harder than it looks, you know, it ends just, up like being fun. just like yoga, just like yoga and yoga. And then you're busting, harder than you're, it looks. you're working your brain, you're growing and you're, 
you know, you're being curious and that opens you up to more things. And I think that's so key in the relationship as well, to be curious about why somebody feels a certain way versus getting angry about it. You know, why are you mad versus, oh, you're mad. You know, I'll be mad too then and I'll win. But it's all about being curious and not judging. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that advice. I know we want to do more with Chris. No, for sure. I'm going to have you come back on several times. We've asked you to take a flag, a bowling ball, and a photo from the top. A bowling ball. <laughs> from the top of each of these summits, seven summits, or four or two or whatever you make, because one is more than most than most people will ever do. It's it's pretty amazing. I love that you and Robin are having this experience together and what you'll learn coming up and coming back down um, yeah. as well. So we want to track you on this journey for listeners. Chris is a board member with All Secure Foundation and dedicated and passionate person about helping his brothers and sisters in arms. We appreciate that and and highlighting the families and understanding that a spouse is your forever battle buddy. So make sure you're following along with us. We'll be highlighting Chris's and Robin's journey. Yes. One day we're going to get that little, I know she doesn't like to be in front of the camera, but We'll get her there one day. Black out her face or something. (laughs) No, she's too pretty. We can't black out her face. Black out her hands. (laughs) But we appreciate you coming on and and sharing your advice and some very wise pieces of advice. I hope people have a notepad out and wrote those down. So thank you, Chris. Yeah. No, it feels good to talk about it, guys. It's always good to see the two of you. I think All Secure is going to have a fantastic year. And I'm honored and privileged to be a part of the organization and help you guys continue to do the good work that you're doing. So thank you. I'm looking forward to Killy. I'm looking forward to hopefully people tuning in and paying attention and and hopefully uh, taking some steps for their for their own lives for the better. So thanks. We'll track you along the love way, it. man. We'll check in and do little yeah. lives or something. Not not while you're doing it, but you know. We want to live from Everest. And when you get back. <laughs> well, okay, so that's another yeah. thing that carries a SATCOM. Yeah. But, but you can bring the SATCOM up there and we'll do a live, a Facebook live from the top of Everest. We'll figure something out. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably been done. I don't know. But man, thanks, Chris. This has been Thank awesome. You. And like Jen said, definitely want to get you back again. And we'll keep tracking you on your, your seven summits, man. It's amazing. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Enjoy your evening and enjoy your weekend. Ah, You too. Thanks for listening to All Secure. Community matters now more than ever. So if you liked what you heard, please share, review, and subscribe. For assistance or to support our incredible warriors and their families, please visit us at allsecurefoundation.org. That's allsecurefoundation.org. Tune in next week to All Secure, and thanks again for listening. See you all then. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For more content like this, or to begin your own podcasting journey, head on over to obsidian-productions.com.